you know, every weekend when we had nice weather, we just both wanted to be on the boat all the time. Like that's what we wanted to do. So we came up with a plan. Uh, Scott's got two boys. And so once they were out of high school, I should say, uh, that's kind of was the trigger of, okay, we've got six years. We're going to set the next six years dedicated to planning how to do this, how to make it happen, saving money to financially make it happen. And that's about, that's how the six year plan came about. So then we lived full time, you know, still working full time and lived on the boat. So that helped as well in the transition mm. because by the time we quit our jobs, we were already fully moved on. We had already downsized all of our belongings. You know, the whole change of quitting your job and sailing away was like, instead of doing it all at once. And I do kind of recommend that phased approach if you, if you have the ability to do so. Now we're heading back now. Yeah. We, will, we plan next month by December to be in the Bahamas again. And then our plan from there is to continue south and make our way through the Caribbean. Welcome to the Winging It Travel podcast with me, James Hammond. Every Monday, I'll be joined by guests to talk about their travel stories, travel tips, backpacking advice, and so much more. Right now, I'm taking the podcast on the road traveling with me. So tune in every week for short form episodes detailing all my travels alongside my Monday guest episode. Are you a backpacker? gap year student or simply someone who loves to travel then this is the podcast for you designed to inspire you to travel there'll be stories to tell tips to share and experiences to inspire welcome to the show hello and welcome to this week's episode where i'm joined by jill bockenstedt who lives full-time on a sailboat with her partner scott jill was also known by her brand money for mangoes and today we're going to talk about travels how to transition to that lifestyle tips and tricks and their six-year financial plan in 2017 to go sailing full-time I guess now 2023, they're doing it. So Jill, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Doing well. Thank you very much for having me. So where in the world are you right now? Right now, we're in Florida. So we are working our way south. We spent the summer in the Chesapeake and Solomons and Annapolis. And now we're heading back south for the winter. Lovely. I think a lot of Americans uh, sort of head south, don't they, for the winter? That we noticed on our road trip. If they're sort of in the northern states, they sort of just go south. Yes, that is correct. Don't blame them. <laughs> <laughs> so where did you grow up originally? And was there like any travel in your childhood? Yeah, so originally I was born and raised, uh, born in Detroit, raised right outside of Detroit, Michigan. And um, yeah, growing up, we did lots of road trips with the family, primarily around car shows. My dad and mom are big into uh, classic cars and the car shows. Um, but the, the town we grew up that I grew up in, New Baltimore, Michigan, is right there on the water on um, Anchor Bay, Lake St. Clair, uh, between Michigan and Canada. So I've always had a love for the water as much as I could do with the family. Was that one trip that maybe got some wanderlust in you as a youngster? You know, once I was finished with high school, I was ready to move on to college, you know, just explore different areas. And I went to uh, Michigan State, have a degree in zoology from then. And when I graduated there, I moved to the Gulf Coast, Mississippi. So I've, I've just had a love of the water and things like that um, since I can remember. Okay. And did you travel internationally at all? Yeah. So, well, if you count... Um, Canada International, that taught me that was just going to another city or state <laughs> growing up so close to it. So that was cool. I've been to Canada many, many times. I know, I think you're in Vancouver, correct? Yeah. 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 That's cool. So I started traveling. I did do some international travels. Um, when I was in college, I got to do a um, alternative spring break down to the Dominican Republic, which was really cool. Huh. And then later on, when uh, one of my employers, I got to go to Toulouse, France, Hamburg, Germany, Montreal, 
a couple of times. And we recently, um, Scott and I recently got back from Ireland for my brother's wedding a couple months ago. Oh, wow. Nice. Ireland. Love that. Yes. Yes. It was great. I guess on the lake, you'd always be out on the lake, right? Is that where the sort of sailing water ideas come from? Or was it no. later on? Uh, again, my parents were my parents were land lovers. So, <laughs> um, so I didn't get to be I didn't get to be much on the uh, water growing up other than maybe go you know, when we would go to the to the beach. When I met my husband, Scott, he was in the Coast Guard and had learned to sail in the Coast Guard. So when we started dating, getting together, um, you know, he kind of introduced me to sailing and it took off from there. So we started with a, a 13 foot sailboat and I was like, oh, this is really fun. So then we graduated to a 26 foot sailboat that um, at the time we were living in Mobile, Alabama, which is where we left out of. We were there the last 10 years or so. And uh, so then we would do like day trips, sail on the Mobile Bay, do overnights in it. Um, and somewhere along the road, we came up with a, an idea to let, just sell everything and do this full time. So <laughs> we created a, a six year plan on that. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to come to that uh, in a bit. I'm quite interested to see what you came yeah, up yeah. with for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that you had your parents who are like land lovers and they do like classic cars and that sort of stuff, mm. which if they analyze you now, they'll probably be a bit maybe surprised maybe that you sort of live this way because it's not obviously not what they would do is that fair it's definitely fair that it is not something they would do <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah I think they think it's great that we're that uh not doing you know things that I love and stuff like that so so they're very supportive of it okay and let's talk about the sailing bug so obviously with Scott you sort of got that idea at what point did it really start to come a bit serious you know like obviously you had discussions and maybe talked about it but what year or what point in your life was it when, oh, actually, I guess this, this is where the six-year plan comes in, but where was it like, That's oh, right. yeah. we can maybe like even do this full-time and you know, not do our traditional lives now? Like, when did, it, when, when did it start to fester? I think we both realized that we just, you know, every weekend when we had nice weather, we just both wanted to be on the boat all the time. Like, that's what we want to do. So um, we came up with a plan. Uh, Scott's got two boys. And so once they were out of college, or high school, I should say, mm -hmm. um, that's kind of was the trigger of, okay, we've got six years and that's that, that we're going to set the next six years dedicated to planning how to do this, how to make it happen, saving money to financially make it happen. And that's about, that's how the six year plan came about why the time frame was starting in 2023 anyway so um so it gave us plenty of time to actually plan it out find the right boat uh, which we got really lucky on we think um and then just you know be able to save money and so we you know curbed our spending for those six years um so that we were able to save up money and, and have money for the long haul <laughs> okay and what were you doing before well up to that point what were your jobs you and scott I worked as a training manager for Airbus, where they assemble the A320s and the A220s. Yep, they have an assembly plant in Mobile. So I was the training manager there. And Scott, after Coast Guard, um, when we left, he was an engineer. So civil engineering, primarily on dock structures, things like that. And was it that traditional nine to five, Monday to Friday sort of job? Yeah, set, traditional seven to five. <laughs> seven to <laughs> five, like yeah. It. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yes, we had the traditional uh, jobs in that respect, yes. And do you think if sailing didn't come into it, um, let's say, I don't know, you just carry on as normal, do you think you still would have changed your life to do something else? Or do you think you're just fully on that path until sailing come along and then it changed? Right? Or do you think you're always destined to maybe do a different type of lifestyle? 
I I would I would say between Scott and I, we would probably have found if it wasn't sailing, it would probably be the RV life or trawler life or something. Yeah, so just something different if we can afford to do so. You know. And why do you think that is? I think we both realize that life is short and we just really want to make sure to get the best out of it. You know, there's other ways we can make money. There's, there's, you know, if we run out of money on our, on our plan, then, you know, we will stop and go back to work, but maybe it'll be sure. something a, a bit less stressful <laughs> and a bit more fun. So yeah, we're not opposed to possibly having to go back to work someday, but um, yeah, definitely just kind of go more with the flow, winging it as far as that goes. <laughs> um, yeah, good plug. See, see, where this, <laughs> see where this master plan takes us. Okay, let's talk about the six-year master plan and the financial plan. So this started in 2017. Mm -hmm. So we're now we're in 2023. So I'm assuming yeah. it's either close to being implemented right. or it has been. So can you talk us through your idea of your six-year plan and what were the guess the rules and what did you put in place to make sure it happened so it was a six-year plan because that was the time we decided to do this <laughs> and there wasn't any set like oh we're going to do this and um you know there was no aha like epiphany moment but we decided okay yeah looking at 2023 uh that that's when we want to go and so we backed it up and it was six years and from there uh you know we were both working um our full-time jobs and we just decided to kind of really keep a close eye on our finances and the biggest thing we did is just live well beneath our means uh we drove cars until they died you know you know the house we bought was just well below our means we we're easily able to afford the house um and just kind of keeping track of our finances so we always had extra money to stash away and save up for later which is now <laughs> okay and was it tough to transition to this new plan because you're going to have to live more frugally and save more money let's say i don't think we we weren't really living out of our our um budget anyway so it for us it wasn't that much of a, a transition we probably started taking um more modest vacations not that we were doing lavish things anyway <laughs> again so it, for us it was just really more documenting it and tracking it instead of making a big purchase thinking about okay from those six years it was like is this purchase really going to help me when we move on to a book no nope, i'm not going to be able to use this in three to four years so let's not buy it then mm -hmm. so a lot of those things where you might want to um we in fact we had talked about redoing the landscaping of the house and then we scaled it way back and I don't know if we did much of anything, to be honest with you, that we didn't do ourselves um, just as a way to save money. You know, we, we made it nice enough to sell, but we didn't like put a, invest a whole bunch of money in it because we knew it wasn't going to be our forever is a good example of like a way we didn't spend money. Right. OK. And at this point, did you have your sailboat that you're living in now? We bought the sailboat we're in now. We bought in February of 2020. <laughs> so oh. right before the pandemic. Wow. Yeah. We, okay. We closed on the sailboat. Yes. Yes. So, um, but we had a place to keep her. We, we got really lucky. Uh, we have a Hunter 450 Passage 1998. And we started looking for boats one day. Um, we knew we wanted to own the boat well before we got to the end of our six year plan. Uh, we wanted to be able to know her inside and out. So when we take off, it wasn't brand new to us and we knew how to maintain her and, and things of that nature. So we, it was a cold January morning and we were like, let's go look at boats. Let's go look at big boats. And so <laughs> we looked at a few boats um, in Mobile and 
they were nice. We looked at some Bennett house, some hunters, just kind of what was for sale in the area. And we really liked the layout of the hunter, but Scott is six foot three. And so he was kind of looking for a boat with more headroom where he could actually stand up in and not feel mm. front down in. And uh, so we found this Hunter 450 passage, which is a center cockpit, uh, meaning you have a lot more headroom in the aft cabin, in the salon, the cockpit's kind of raised up in the center of the boat. And so it was for sale an hour away in Pensacola. So we called up the owner and went and looked at it and just knew that was the boat for us. So we got really lucky. We know, we know people that have spent a lot of time and money looking for their boats. So no question. I don't really know if it's a fair or even a, a question to ask is what is the range to buy a boat in terms of dollars? Like how much have you got to spend, do you think, to get one that you can probably live on full time? I mean... That's a tough question. It depends on an, on the person's budget. I mean, you mm. can sail and if you're buying a move-in ready boat, if you will, or if you're a rubber boat, it's all, you know, how much time and how handy you are to work on it. So it can be any, it can be any range, to be honest with you. Um, I do post about our finances. The money for Mango's blog is more about kind of living on a budget and trying to keep within our budget. So um, we were fortunate and we're, we bought this boat for $130,000, knowing we were going to sell the house and live full, like that was going to be our full-time home. So. Okay. And when you're making this financial plan, did you know how much you're going to need to live on a sailboat or, or has that <laughs> been a learning curve, do you think? That has been a major learning curve of how much it actually takes to live on a sailboat. Um, it's really funny because, of course, I'm watching YouTube videos and reading blogs and things of that nature about sailing. And you can do it from like $1,000 a month to $10,000 a month, you know, and um, it's really just the, the best piece of advice I have for that is kind of look at what your expenses are now on land. If you're thinking of doing this, because they really don't change that much. You're eating out your grocery bills. They pretty much stay the same. Um, you do have a lot. You do need to budget a lot for boat for the boat. <laughs> Boats mm -hmm. are expensive to maintain and keep up. Um, but the rest of your living expenses uh, are pretty much the same. Okay. I've got some quick fire questions about sure. living on a boat. So okay. I'm going to jump forward a bit. How much does it cost for you to park your sailboat in, I guess, a harbor or somewhere to stay? Like, I don't know, let's say you want to stay some three months. Like, how, how does that admin work? Like, what do you have to do? How much does it cost? Like, I have no idea. Okay, yeah. It very much depends on where you're located. So mm -hmm. so we left January 2023. Uh, so we were in a slip in Mobile and we were paying around $350 a month, which is unheard of. You know, the cost of living in Mobile is also much lower than other parts of the, the country. So if you're trying to find a place, say in the Florida Keys or Miami, it's going to be maybe $1,500, a month. Um, wow. I, just guessing. Uh, yeah. So we were in the Chesapeake and we decided to stay put for a few months in the Chesapeake. We did just that. We found a marina to stay at for three months in Solomon's. We stayed at um, Safe Harbor Anheuser's, and they price you by the length of your boat. So oh. our boat is 45 feet mm -hmm. and ended up costing us around $850 a month to keep the boat at the marina. Now that includes all of their amenities, laundry, showers. Um, they had free bike rentals, shuttles to the grocery stores or nearby shopping. So it includes, you know, they have grills to cook out on and a pool to swim at. And so it was a really nice place. <laughs> okay. And is that purely based on the individual harbor or is it by state do you think do state have different states have different rules with this sort of stuff 
it's individual harbor. They set okay. their own prices and you'll figure out like everyone kind of knows what the other har- marinas in the area are charging. So they're all similar based on, you know, again, varying a little bit based on what they offer and such. But it okay. changes more with the, the region, but not because of the state. I guess I've got some questions down here, like basic things like cooking, showering, washing, clothes, internet. That's all on your boat, I assume. But is there some of those things you had to put into your boat? Some people do have a washing machine on their boat, washer and dryer. We do not um, because it uses a lot of water and a lot of power. So you have to be very conscious of your water usage and your power usage. Um, We do have 900 watts of solar panels. So that helps us. But on a day like today, it's all we're like three days in a row now of cloudy weather. So (laughs) we have to be very conscious of our power. and we'll, we, we do have an in-house generator that we'll turn on this evening to boost up our, our house battery bank. Um, I think that might answer your question about the washing machine. Uh, again, it's related to power and how much battery capacity you have on the boat. Cooking on the boat, we have a propane um, oven and stove. So cooking is really no different other than it's much smaller than the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you're trying, two people are trying to cook in there together, it gets a little bit crowded. And internet, uh, we just, this summer, one of our big projects we did was get Starlink put on the boat. Ah, so right. yeah. that we, so we can have, yeah, so we can have internet even when we're traveling offshore and things like that. So that's what we are, I'm using right now, so. Yeah, that's key for like, that I found for our RV people that we're driving around US states this yeah. summer. And a lot yes. of people have that because you can go anywhere sort of off grid and still have it in theory. That's right. And luckily the sailboat is so slow that we can actually keep it on while we're moving. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And then, yeah, so on your boat, I guess you have like the classic, it's, it's almost like RV in a little bit, isn't it? You have your shower and your and like your bathroom and stuff on there as well. You don't have to go elsewhere. You, you do it all on boat. That's correct. Yep. We have a full standalone shower separate from the head bathroom area so that's nice as well on this boat right okay and is any other things in the boat that you've got now that you didn't think of before when you first got the boat that you had to add in before we had left so part of the six-year plan and, and wanting to knowing we wanted to live more at anchor than in marinas we did we did add the um 900 watt solar panel to the boat mm-hmm. we also converted our fridge and freezer they were on 110 volt we converted those DC power though, so that they run off the house battery. Um, okay. So prior to that conversion, we would have to run the generator probably twice a day for at least an hour just to keep the fridge and freezer cool. So now they just run off the house battery and we don't have to worry about it. So those were the two, I would say those were the two big ones. We also, this summer, we, after being out for about nine months, uh, we did add a third AGM uh, gel battery to our house battery bank. So we okay. have uh, about 600 ampere hours now. So we added a third battery, but it is very much like RV. Yeah, so I can say another question like, do you have a car? Do you bring a car with you at all? We do not. Any bikes? No bikes either. No, we walk okay. a lot, <laughs> a lot yeah. more. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what about an address, house address, you know, to get posts sent to you okay. or insurance and stuff like that? Like, how does that work? So there's a wonderful service that we use in Florida, uh, in Green Cove Springs, Florida called St. Brendan's Isle. And they're they're tailored to RVers, cruisers, sailors, uh, people that travel for work. So it's just a mail service. We can use their address. Um, It gets sent to them. And then if we get mail, they'll scan it 
the envelope to us if we want them to open it. Uh, they'll open it and send us what the contents are. Uh, we can send packages to them. And then whenever we do get an address of a place we're going to be long enough to get mail, they can uh, forward our packages to us at that point. So yeah, so we have become uh, Florida residents. Because my next question is going to be, because obviously the States is a bit complicated with insurances, healthcare and stuff like that. Like, how do you plan for stuff like if you need to go to hospital, healthcare? Because obviously, if you live in one state, it's whatever state offers, right? But how do you do it on a sailboat? So that was a tricky one for us, uh, something to consider. So in 2023, what we did, so my husband, he qualifies for VA benefits for healthcare as a veteran um, from serving in the Coast Guard. So his healthcare is through the VA. Uh, this year, what I did is it's not considered healthcare, but it meets the qualifications of having healthcare for tax purposes. It's um, a Christian cost sharing company is called MediShare. So it acts and looks and smells like insurance, but it's not really insurance. Um, next year in 2024, I am going to switch to the Affordable Care Act. Um, okay. So the government-based healthcare for the US. Mm -hmm. That's correct. Now, we do plan to travel a lot more outside of the U.S., so I'm also going to be purchasing some traveler insurance for the major catastrophic hospital, you know, things of that nature, and as well as the evacuation insurance in case we need to get evacuated to the nearest hospital from wherever we are. So I'll have a couple additional um, insurances for 2024. Okay, that's good. Maybe before we get to travel and where you've been and stuff, maybe some ups and downs. Of the, <laughs> of the journey so far this year. <laughs> yes, um, there's definitely ups and downs. Uh, I've heard several people say that sailing has is really high highs and really low lows. <laughs> right now, we've, for example, we've been in St. Augustine. We got here last Wednesday and we're kind of stuck here due to the weather. We are getting nearly 30 knot winds right now. Um, just not really great weather to be traveling in. Uh, we were trying to go offshore um, from St. Augustine down to, I think our next stop was going to Port Canaveral. Uh, the waves out there right now are like six to eight foot seas. So not gonna happen. We have to change our plans. Um, you know, so we're really just kind of sitting here trying to figure out, my husband's the planner, uh, you know, just trying to figure out where we're gonna stop each night, what anchorage we're gonna go to, how far we're gonna go each day. We have a 63 foot mass, so we have to worry about the height of the bridges and things like that so you definitely have lows and you know have to you know overcome that but then you also appreciate the highs um before we were in saint augustine we were in fernandina beach which is right along the coast of florida and georgia and we just it was a great stopping point we went offshore from charleston to there and then before we came here and the weather was beautiful it was calm and we were just like just amazed at like how calm and beautiful and how easy it was those few days in Fernandina. So <laughs> we definitely were appreciating the highs at that time. <laughs> okay. And when you say you go offshore, what do you mean by that? I mean, we will go out into the Atlantic Ocean for as far as when, where we are now traveling south along the east coast of, of the U.S. Um, to say go offshore is really like we're just going out and we're sailing along the coast, but offshore in the ocean instead of traveling along the intracoastal waterway, which is more inshore with lots of of bridges um, to go through and things like that. Got it. And do you always stay within? If that makes sense. Like the USA, right? as in like, do you ever reach out? You know, unless you're going to international travel, but like if you're traveling down the coast, do you ever go outside of the? I don't know where the line would be in the coast of the USA into international waters. Is there 
a danger of that? I mean, it all depends on where we're, where we're leaving from and where we're headed to. If we, I would say we've gone as far as about 20 miles offshore, just, you know, kind of doing a direct line to the next place we're going mm-hmm. up. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, we've also um, gone over to the Bahamas. So we've been much further offshore than that when we went over there to the Bahamas and such. Okay. Uh, a couple more questions about just a sailboat. Um, mm-hmm. you, I've got here... What would people need to consider for transition? Bit of a broad question, I suppose. But um, if you're just a land-based living in an apartment like I do, for example, and then you're going okay. to a sailboat, it seems to me like a huge change. But what what, <laughs> what what are one or two things that you just have to consider and bear in mind because it's going to be such a big difference? Yeah, um, it, it is living in a small space, most definitely. Yeah. So I can speak to the way we did it. We bought the boat early enough where we would spend all our weekends on the boat. So Thursday night, we'd pack up our bags from the house, which was only 10 minutes away, um, go down to the boat, we'd go to work Friday, come back to, right to the boat and spend all day Saturday, all day Sunday on the boat before kind of going back to the house, going to and from work during the week from the house. So that kind of got us used to, at least on a shorter, you know, three night time span, Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, we were getting used to like, oh, this is what it's kind of like living on a boat. Now, granted, it was still in a marina, um, we still had a car at the time, but we slowly transitioned. And then it was a year and a half before we left the docks in January that we sold our house. So then we lived full time and, you know, still working full time and lived on the boat. So that helped as well in the transition because mm. by the time we quit our jobs, we were already fully moved on. We had already downsized all of our belongings except for the cars. Um, and then it was just sailing away. You know, the whole change of quitting your job and sailing away was like, instead of doing it all at once. And I do kind of recommend that phased approach if you if you have the ability to do so. Did you sell your cars? We did. We did. Yeah. We sold them. So you pretty much so sold, sold the house and everything. The yeah. We did. We did. Yeah. <laughs> I think you. I think you'd have to, wouldn't you? Unless you want to keep your house, <laughs> but or yeah, rent it out. I'm um, not sure. I mean, outside of like having um, some family in that area, we have no attachments, like anything that we own. We don't have anything on land that we own um, outside of maybe a storage box or two at our parents' house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> yeah. Let's go to the travel portion of your lifestyle as per the podcast name, Winging It. So do you feel like you're winging it every day or is there, is there a plan of maybe like next six months or whatever, do you know where you're going to be? Or is it purely week to week? I would say we have a general idea of where we want to go for the next hurricane season. That oh, yeah. life revolves around the weather a lot. So yeah. I would say between now and I'd say for the next year, we have an idea, but we also have backup plans in case. This is a patron shout out to Laura from the Swamp Soup Stickers, who has contributed £5 to the podcast on my Patreon Thank you so much for your support. Really appreciate it. And it helps the podcast to keep going in the future. If you're interested, head to the show notes where you'll find a link to my patron. The website address is patreon.com forward slash travel podcast. For five English pounds, you will receive some trendy stickers from myself in the post, a shout out on each episode, and also my digital travel planner by email. Thank you for your support something happens um you know a plan b a plan c so uh, but yeah it is you want to plan as much as you can but then you also have to be able to be flexible with your plans because they can change based on the weather and other things so so for international travel so you're limited but obviously you could sell across the atlantic if you wanted to right i guess in theory 
But um, yeah. let's talk about some countries that you travel to whilst been on your sailboat. Like, where have you gone to? Maybe give me give me three countries that you traveled to that were pretty cool. So we left, we just left in January. Uh, we sailed down the Gulf Coast, so through the Gulf of Mexico, around Florida, and then we went to the Bahamas. Um, so that's the only country so far that we've been to is the Bahamas, because okay. then we came back to the U.S. to ride out hurricane season um, in, up in the Chesapeake area, so Maryland, Virginia, things like that. But now we're heading back now. We, yeah. will, we plan next month by December to be in the Bahamas again. Yeah. And then our plan from there is to continue south and, and make our way through the Caribbean. So then we'll have several other countries that we'll, we'll be able to visit. First question, how does it work with, okay. a, pass, with a passport? Because I'm, I'm going from a traditional travel point of view, you land in an airport, you give your passport, a stamp you're in. How does it work sailing to different, yep. like Caribbean is loads of countries. How does that work? Okay. So each country, um, for the Bahamas, for example, you, you still have to have your passport. You still have to go through customs and immigration. So you enter into the country at the nearest port of entry where they have customs and immigration. Um, the way the Bahamas work, uh, I have to stay on the boat. We also are traveling with a dog, by the way. So that oh. adds a level of complexity okay. to it. Yeah. <laughs> Mango, the dog, and I stay on the boat. And uh, Scott goes off to the customs and immigration with our pass with my passport and his passport. And um, they sign us in. So they, for Bahamas, at least, they have an um, online system called Click to Clear. You fill all of that information out ahead of time, upload your documents that they request maybe your vessel documentation uh vaccine records for the dog things like that so when you go to clear and they've already have it they can just pull it up look at it stamp your passport and then you're clear to to travel throughout the country so it's very similar you just have to go to them instead of, um most of the time the visa would be like the normal visa right like a tourist visa i guess is that what you, you'd get yes if we needed a visa we would get a tourist yeah visa. if you needed a visa yeah okay so it's kind of the same same as normal yeah. travel but the only, the only difference is you're arriving by by sea, not by okay. air, essentially. Correct, correct. Mm -hmm. And legally, not legal. Yeah. And same with clearing back. When we come back to the U.S., there's an app that the Customs and Border Protection has. So you just check in with through the app and say, hey, we're, we're arriving back into the U.S. And sometimes time you, sometimes they'll want to visit you. But most of the time they just say, OK, thank you for letting us know. And, and then we're clear to be back in the country. <laughs> wow. OK. And what about? Some of the countries that you're hoping to go to in the Caribbean, what's on your list? Okay, uh, so we're planning to visit the Bahamas again because we really enjoyed that, and then we'll travel south. We will plan to go to Dominican Republic, uh, from Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, and then over to the U.S. Virgin Islands, and then from there we would like to just sail down the Caribbean coast um, to the various different countries. There's French countries, the the Dutch countries, um, mm -hmm. so on and so forth, and then if things go well and if everything works out the way we would like um then we would like to spend the next hurricane season in grenada oh I've so been there. we would just kind of be anchored nice. off off of you have been to grenada wonderful yeah yeah did you like it oh, i loved it yeah it's very how can i put this not i want to say raw but compared to the rest of the caribbean countries it's not very touristy and um, that i oh, found cool. um and there was a nice little harbour into the capital. I can't remember the capital now. Is it St. George or St. James? I can't remember. Um, yeah, that harbour is really nice. We had a, I think on the last night, a really nice dinner, like looking out to that harbour, like where the main capital is. And, oh, wonderful. Uh, our Airbnb host is quite interesting. He's an American guy. Yeah, very interesting guy. But his, 
yeah, no more on that. But I think his villa was in, like on top of a hill, so we had a good view over the island. Wonderful. People are lovely, and are, they're, they're said to be one of the nicest in the Caribbean area, like very, very chill and, yeah, awesome. love the time there. Yeah, that's what we're hoping to do. So, of course, we'll, we'll come up with other plans if we don't make it that far. But. Okay. That <laughs> that's our current idea. Great plan. Great plan. Love that. God, a little bit jealous as well. I was like, oh, that sounds nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about US travel then. So obviously, international is coming. So in the US, where have you traveled to on your sailboat? And that's been some of your favorite places. Okay. Um, so we started out of Mobile, Alabama, went to um, Pensacola. And then from Pensacola offshore, probably our worst offshore, going on the outside, not going through the ICW um, night we had was a rough, rocky night. <laughs> so then we made it to Pensacola, uh, to Panama City, um, stayed there for a few days and then came out and did a two day, two night overnight sail down to Tampa Bay area, which was nice. And then we did a little bit of the intercoastal waterway on the Gulf side. Uh, one of the towns we just really loved on the Gulf side was Venice. I don't know if you've heard of Venice, Florida, but um, <laughs> but it was a really cool town. We had a great time in Venice and then uh, sailed down to Charlotte Harbor near Boca Raton, uh, I'm sorry, Boca Grant. And then from there, we did an offshore sail to Key West. So um, Key West. Scott was stationed in the Coast Guard twice in Key West. So that's kind of mm -hmm. like a little bit like going back home for him. Um, but I really, really did enjoy going to Key West by boat. So we stayed in a mooring field down there and, you know, could just go to town whenever we wanted. And then we could also get away from it all whenever we wanted and just stay on our boat as well. So it was, it was a lot of fun down in Key West, just day to day I hopped up the, um, the outside of the Florida Keys and got up to Key Biscayne. Dreaming. Didn't do much in those islands by boat. Um, we've been there, visited them by land and uh, that was really fun. But yeah, so I'd say Florida Keys were a lot of fun, Key West in particular. And then we shot over from Key Biscayne, we shot over to the Bahamas. And when we came back from the Bahamas, we shot straight up to Cape Canaveral. So we yeah. missed a, like a Florida. Um, and then we went from Cape Canaveral, worked our way up to the Chesapeake uh, May and June of this year. I was gonna say that the Florida Keys for me, uh, unfortunately we didn't get there this year because it's too far south from where we we're going driving wise, but. That just that little stretch of road goes like across those islands down the bottom. Oh, I'm just I'm just so intrigued by it. I just want to see what it's like. I've got you know images in my mind, Google images. I just want yeah, to experience oh, it. Yeah, beautiful. Mm. Definitely get down there because it is a beautiful place. Okay, and if you want to go and visit, like the, this is a bit might be a basic question. If you want to go and visit the west coast, how would okay. you sail? How would you sail across there? What would be your route? The route would most likely be the Panama Canal. It's kind of out. It's literally that. Yeah, yeah that's quite far, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. We would um have to get over there from you know, could probably get over there from the Grenada, kind of sail up that way. We do have um some friends of ours that we were boat dock that were on the same boat dock with us in Mobile, that um they are currently living in Roatan. So it would be actually fun to kind of get over to to those neck of the woods before hmm. we're heading over to through the canal and go visit with them. <laughs> On their sailboat, so they live on their boat. It proves how big US is, though, doesn't it? Because you can't just go across to the other hey. side. You got to go all the way down through the the thinnest point, and then all the way back up to go and see your own country. You can't actually sail, and of course, through Canada, not possible. You can't sail across. It's a bit of a nightmare. Right, right. That is true. Yeah. Okay. What's been your maybe some of your favorite 
places to start to live for a bit on your sailboat I, I know we talk about visiting but like has there been any docks that were just like oh that's a great little place to stay for uh, a longer period of time that you thought um so this summer we were in the chesapeake and we knew we wanted to just kind of settle in somewhere for a little while and um do a, some boat projects one of the projects we did was the starlink and then adding the third battery and so we just knew we had a lot of just wanted to sit still and do some work on the boat this summer and we were originally, we had heard Deltaville, there's a lot of sailboats in Deltaville, Virginia. Um, but as we were sailing north through the, the Chesapeake, we came across a town called Solomons, Maryland, which is about, by car, I'd say it's about an hour south of Washington, DC, mm -hmm. I, I think by car. So um, I could be wrong on my geography on that, but, um, but anyway, we really, so we found that marina, a, a marina to stay at in Solomon's for three months, and we absolutely just loved it. It's a small town. Everyone was just very friendly. The marina is right near this small neighborhood, and walking the dog two, three times a day, I feel like we just got to know people living in the area, um, you know. <laughs> Uh, it was just a really great community there. So we we would definitely go back to Solomon's um, if and whenever we make it back to the Chesapeake. Um, it was a really cool place to visit, to live, I guess, months. <laughs> yeah, like, just, I guess you don't have to live anywhere, but you must come across places that are like, oh, like staying here would be quite nice for like a few more weeks. Like, that's mm -hmm. the, I guess that's one of the advantages of being on a sail, but you can just decide to go next day or stay. Weather dependent, you can. Yeah. Oh, weather dependent, <laughs> of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah weather dependent. <laughs> It's a new concept yeah. isn't it? it's a new way of thinking weather dependent yes your your life revolves around the weather for sure i guess you've got to maximize the calm conditions haven't you to either stay or go right you, if you need if you need to go you've got to go in case it's bad for the next yeah there are times where yeah there's times where you absolutely love where you are but you're like i, I gotta go now or else i'm not going to get out of here for a week and a half or you know things of that nature so yeah okay. <laughs> that happens quite a bit how has your dog changed to the lifestyle how has how has he or she adapted he is i keep looking over here because he's just laying on the couch next to me sleeping <laughs> he, he has done just fine um luckily yeah he i think is just happy to be around us and we're obviously we're home more now with yeah. him not not being full-time jobs i think he's adapted just fine he loves he's getting a lot of walks every day um the i would say that the challenging part with the dog is we cannot get him to use the bathroom on the boat oh. at all. So um, there's some some cruisers and sailors, they'll have a grass pad and they'll put it up at the bow of the boat and the dog will go to the bathroom up there and then they can just rinse it off. I have tried and tried and I cannot get him to use the, <laughs> a grass pad to a you know, potty training pad, like nothing. So um, it really, it kind of limits how far we can travel at time. Um, we, he's done up to 48 hours without using the bathroom we try not to do that with them yeah. um but you know we've done several 24 hour stints um the other challenge is when you're cruising somewhere mainly in the US that we found was not a challenge in the Bahamas um is finding an anchorage where you can get shore access so if we are traveling down the ICW and we want to anchor for the night before we continue on the next day we need to find a place to take them to shore so not all anchorages have access to land. So that part becomes a challenge as well. So can you explain what that means where you don't have access to land? Do you mean like a like a little pier or like uh, a a bit of land that juts out so you can just jump across and walk to the land, that sort of thing? No. So 
So um, on our boat, we have a dinghy, which is a smaller boat. <laughs> Okay. That, uh, with like a six horsepower engine on it. Okay. So we'll deploy the dinghy, drop that in the water, put the engine on it. And you can take the dinghy to you. What you look for is like a small sandy beachy area. If you're kind of traveling through some more remote areas, but not oftentimes you can find it. It might just be marsh grass and there's nowhere for the dog uh -huh. to go to the bathroom in the marsh grass, for example. Yeah. Um, so then you're trying to look for maybe a boat ramp or somewhere that you can actually like land the dinghy and get them onto dry land. Um, marinas, some, you know, if you can find a marina, uh, sometimes they'll let you bring your dinghy up there. Um, sometimes they do it for free, sometimes for a fee. And you can, or a pier, a public pier, something like that, where you can bring the, bring the dog to and tie the dinghy off to and then, and then get them out for a walk. Hey, yeah, just a quick one. I just want to say there are many ways to support this podcast. You can buy me a coffee and help support the podcast with $5. Or you can go to my merch store with the affiliate link with TeePublic, where there's plenty of merch available to buy, such as t-shirts, jumpers, hoodies, and also some children's clothing. Thirdly, which is free, you can also rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, or Good Pods. Also, you can find me on social media on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. Simply just search for Winging It Travel Podcast and you'll find me displaying all my social media content for traveling, podcast, and other stuff. Thank you. I didn't think that'd be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's places where there's not, you know, some of the anchorages are either so remote that it's just, there's no shoreline available to walk them. Or you might be anchored in um, this nice residential area, but everyone has, you know, it's all their backyard. So obviously you're not going to trespass on their property to, mm. to get to land. So. <laughs> um, so yeah, you just have to to find the right spots where you can actually get the dog to shore. <laughs> okay, got it. This question is not actually listed on my notes, but I assume there's a, like a community of people that you must bump into or keep in contact with as you sail across different parts of the East Coast, right? Definitely, definitely, yes. So there's lots of cruisers in um, doing the same thing we are and running. It's a small world, actually. You start running into them <laughs> at different yeah. places. Um, you know, uh, and then some of them, you just, you know, we became, when we went to the Bahamas, we, we were traveling by ourselves at the time and we landed in the, on the island of Bimini and we met this other cruising couple there that had come down from New York, I believe. And um, so they sailed across, we ended up at the same marina when we crossed over to check into customs and things of that nature. So we kind of had the same sailing plan. We wanted to go check out the same islands and looking at the weather, we had the same ideas of, yep, yep, this is the day I'm going to go. Yep, this is the day I agree. This is the day we're going to go too. And so we ended up sailing around with them. We call them a, a buddy boat. So they were our buddy boat for, <laughs> I would say, a good six six weeks cruising through the Bahamas. And so uh, we've just become really good friends with them. They are on their way down south now, but they're a couple weeks behind us. Just, you know, they had their own schedule of things to do with their family. So we got an earlier start than they did. And so we're keeping in touch with them throughout, you know, just checking in on them, seeing where they are and how they're doing. And hopefully we'll, hopefully we'll get to see them back at, at least in the Bahamas when we get back over there, because I know that's where they're headed to. So yeah, definitely you keep in touch with people you've met, people we've met in uh, Solomon's when we were at the dock for three months. Um, some really great people there too. So. Okay. Can you talk us through like the Bahamas? Like where did you really? go there? And what did you see? <laughs> um, the, so when we went in the spring, we went over to the, to Bimini. We checked in through Bimini, and then we sailed across um, the northern Barry Islands, 
and we stayed there about a week again because of weather. So we kind of bounced around to different anchorages um, that would protect us from the wind direction that was coming for those days. And then from there, we went to Northern Eleuthera, uh, Spanish Wells, had a wonderful time there, stayed at a few different anchorages there, met again, met super wonderful, cool cruisers there. And then when we left Northern Eleuthera, we went and went into the Abacos Island chain. So then we sailed from south to north up the Abacos chain and then popped back over to the U.S. So that was about a full two months of cruising in the Bahamas. And is that as idyllic as what people think? So no. So it has, again, <laughs> it goes back to it has its ups and downs. Oh, Some okay. days were just amazing, beautiful. Um, and some days were not. We we did have some friends from Utah come to visit us, and unfortunately for them, we had thirty five knot winds the entire week they were there, and we were stuck at a marina the whole week, and you know didn't get to go island hopping with them very much. Um, so yeah, it it's really hard to plan visits because you just don't know what kind of weather you're going to get when they get here, as they learned the hard way. <laughs> um, but it does have its moments where it's like what people imagine it would be it has yeah. those moments but it's definitely not all the time yeah oh, yes yeah, on my list it's so close really close as in like it's a three or four hour flight right from anywhere in north america unless you're in south but it's, it's somewhere that's got to go, go and check out yeah definitely definitely you are technically retired, would you say? You could say that, yes. We did quit our jobs and not, are not working, so. Okay, and what's part of your plans to make sure get some income for the year, thinking about that? Um, so again, part of our six-year plan was to try to live off the money that we've been saving, saving, saving all yeah. up until we quit our jobs in 2023. Um, and then should we need additional income? I would say one thing I'm trying to do is build up Money for Mangoes, which is the blog that I yeah. have going on for the travel. So I would like to monetize that at some point. Um, I just started it in January. So I think it's a little too soon yet. Um, and, you know, worst case scenario, if we have to, we can just park the boat somewhere, um, you know, in the winter time in the Keys or, you know, US Virgin Islands and pick up a job if we need, you know, somewhere there. Mm. So I mean, we sort of have backup plans, um, hoping we don't need to use them. But but we do have a couple ideas in play of, you know, if we need to. Uh, my husband, Scott, is also a licensed captain. So he's got his 100 ton captain's license. So if he needs to, he can deliver boats, um, things like that. So we've got some options available if we do need to pick up, you know, pick up some additional income. Yeah, I guess in my mind, I think if you save like a lot of money in a short period of time, like five, six years, you probably want some sort of like, as big as a high interest account you can get to get the most interest off your savings, right? At least you have some income from that, I'd right. imagine. That's right. But, That's right. Yep. Definitely including income from the from the accounts we have. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's enough. It depends how much you've got, obviously, That's per person, but uh it would help, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Definitely helps, yeah, for sure. I think monetizing is the biggest question, even for me with the podcast and stuff like that, is it's the question of like, well, if I was to go on my own, how you know, obviously you had your your plan, which is great. And I think we would have a plan as well, but like, how would you, after that, make sure you have some sort of income to keep going or at least to start off with anyway? It's quite a big question, quite a hard question to answer. Mm -hmm, very hard to answer. <laughs> Constantly thinking about it every day of the week. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's, as you mentioned, let's talk money for mangoes. Love the name. So this is your blog that you and your website that you have, uh, the brand that you yes. go by. Um, tell us what you do on Money for Mango. Uh, really, I, I started out just to document our travels. Um, and I know a lot of the questions online, including the ones I was asking Google, was how to make this work financially. <laughs> so, um, and how much does it really cost to sail? That's a big question. Um, so I wanted to just kind of document along as with our travels of where we're going and what we're doing, kind of what our costs are. So. One of the popular posts I have is when we were in the uh, yeah when we were in the Bahamas in the spring. Every time I went to the grocery store, I made an itemized spreadsheet of what I bought and how much it cost and where I bought it from. And so I share that spreadsheet in one of the articles on Money for Mangoes, and because in a lot of the Facebook groups I'm on, people are you know it, it comes up over and over again like what does it cost? Like how much is it going to cost for food? I hear it's so expensive over there, and so. I feel like that is hopefully helpful to others because I'm trying to be helpful to others, you know, and, and sharing our costs. I did, we, after six months of cruising, we um, kind of looked at our finances to see where we are, to see if we, you know, based on what we think our monthly budget should be and how are we doing. And so I actually shared our costs with others so they can get an idea um, that, you know, it's not, we're not living off $200 a month. <laughs> it costs <laughs> a little bit more than that too. <laughs> For us anyway, to sail around. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, so I'm just trying to document all of that in Money for Mangoes. Um, just try to put out helpful content for others who are doing what we're doing, um, maybe just starting out or, you know, just thinking of doing what we're doing and just trying to get ideas of what it's like out here. So hmm, Interesting. Yeah, that's. I think that's what people want to know. Probably there's two or three things, right, that people always ask me to ask guests. And mm -hmm. one of those is how do people... Um, how much they spend on their trip and how they finance it. They're probably two of the biggest questions. And I think what we used for our trip this year was because we left in January as well, our job. Um, Perfect. But we'll get to go back to a job though because we ran out of money. But we used uh, Travel Spend was the app that we used, um, which is a, an app that you can put okay. any, any expense in and you can categorize anything you want. And it breaks it down by day, how much you, your average cost is by day, by month. And you can break it down into like different categories. That's been quite cool for us to see where most of the money's going and a little bit shocking yeah but yeah that's quite a cool thing to people be, to use as well for their travels yes i would say our our most ex, our biggest shock of like where more money is going than what we budgeted for would be marinas for sure okay so right yes um we're working on that trying to stay in marinas less um you know see how it goes see if we can adjust it <laughs> yeah that's okay and how many blogs do you write a month or how often do you release I try to write one a week. So I try to publish at one every Friday. Okay. Yeah. So I've, I've been consistent with that um, since mid-May when we got back from the Bahamas. And I wrote um, several articles about, about being over there in the Bahamas and such. Okay. And how's that going, do you think, blogging for the year? Because that's actually one of my aims for next year. Uh, I've got a year's worth of travels to write about, so I'm going to do some blogging. But have you found the journey on that? Uh, I really like it. It's uh, it's really interesting. It challenges me, you know, trying to come up with helpful content. Um, and it's just, I, I, you know, I enjoy it. Um, you know, there's blogging communities I'm in, uh, Facebook groups and things like that. So that part's fun as well. And uh, I just, you know, it's it's a pretty fun project to work on to be able to write about what you're doing and look back at them, 
you know, referring to old blogs for newer ones and such. And it's like really cool. Like, look, you know, I just kind of get to look at your pictures again. And I try to use all my like original pictures as, as much as I can, mm. um, obviously for the travels that we do and stuff. So yeah, I think it's going pretty well so far. Uh, it's still new. Um, you know, I, I say I started it in January, but I really worked on it seriously since middle of May. So got it. Um, yeah. just trying to watch it's interesting yeah trying to pick up steam and things like that so yeah okay and where can people find your website and obviously sign up to your blog and if you have a newsletter and stuff where can people find you you can find me at moneyformangos.com uh, and then i also have facebook and instagram on facebook i have money for mangoes and, and on instagram but i also do a lot of posting on sv palasia P-E-L-A-G-I-A, which is the name of our sailboat. Okay. So um, Money for Mangoes or SB Palasia on Facebook and Instagram. And then, of course, moneyformangoes.com. You want to find me online and have a newsletter that goes out every week as well. So, Cool. I'll put them in the show notes, the links to those, so people can just quickly click that and sign up. That's great. Wonderful. Thank you. It's such a unique uh, topic. It's a, it's a cool one to write about. Yeah, because to give you an example, I, I literally know nothing about it. Uh, I'm going in blind. <laughs> apart, apart from the interview I had with my, my friend Merrill, who lives on a sailboat as well. Uh, he, okay. yeah. he's, he's living at Boston, I think. Oh, he was anyway. I don't know where he is now. <laughs> uh, he runs a podcast about <laughs> it, which is, which is quite interesting. Wonderful, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a whole brand new concept. A bit like RVing, but I think RVing is more well-known. Uh, but sailboating is probably really? a bit more under the radar, like living full-time. Yeah, you you learn what a small world it is when you keep running into the same people too. Yeah. So yeah. that's cool. But it, it's a really, it's a really great community. Everyone's helping each other out. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. Awesome. Okay. We're going to finish the episode, with some quick fire travel questions. Okay. So these, these are some of your favorite things that you've seen worldwide. So I'm going to start with. Okay. It's travel question time. Uh, top three favorite countries internationally that you traveled to bahamas um ireland was very cool um just had a really wonderful trip there and i had always wanted to travel to france and so i did get to go to france and that was really neat as well um so i am studying french very slowly on duolingo oh, okay <laughs> so it's really Tough. kind of fun it's fun to go to a french-speaking country so i would say those are my top three I have to add England in there, which is where my brother and sister-in-law live too. So. Oh, okay. Where do they live in England? They live in London. Okay, London. Cool. Tough. Okay. Um, next question is three countries that you've not traveled to that you'd love to go to next. Okay. Um, so ever since studying French in high school, I have always wanted to go to the island of Martinique, which is in the Caribbean. Oh, yeah. So I'm very much, I'm very, very much looking forward to stopping in Martinique. That is one island, one place I'm looking forward to. Um, I'll be honest, I'm really focused on um, the Caribbean right now because yeah, that's, yeah, that's where, you know, we're spending all of our time thinking about, but um, that one would be wonderful to go to as well as Grenada. Cause I, I know, well, we hope to be spending uh, several months in Grenada. So I do look forward to that as well. It looks really cool. Like you said, less touristy and more just kind of living on an island. Yeah. Uh, third place I would like to go that I haven't been I think it would be really cool to go to um both Iceland and Greenland up there and see oh. or anywhere up in the northern um and see the northern um lights 
So Finland, yeah. I think would just be really, really cool to go visit some, some more than three, but. Yeah, yeah, but, but Greenland's another country, well, country is not country, but like part of Denmark, but it's another yeah. place that people just don't really talk about that much. Um, hard yeah. to get to and not many places to go, exactly. but, but it looks great. Okay. Yeah. And um, what about three favorite U.S. states? Three favorite U.S. states. Well, I'm partial to Michigan. That's where I was born and raised. <laughs> My husband's in the back there. Oh, because he he was born and raised in Ohio, so okay. <laughs> we have a little bit of college football rivalry going on. So, favorite states would be Michigan, Florida. I've always loved Florida. Um, yeah. I mean, I did enjoy living in Alabama, so oh. I'll throw Alabama a bone in there and. Uh, this is that's where I was living the last like 10 years before we left. Um, so okay. that's just I'm just kind of throwing out the states I know that I've been to that, you know, that I enjoyed. You know, if I spent that much time there, it must not be that bad. So, yeah, of course. OK. And what about if you could live in another country for one year that you've not lived in before? So where are you going to live? Okay. It would be in the Caribbean somewhere. One of the islands. I would love to live on an island. So Martinique sounds wonderful. Grenada sounds wonderful. Haven't been there yet, but St. Martin. Yeah, some of those are well nice. Okay. Yeah, St. Martin. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What about three favorite international cuisines or foods? Okay. International. Punk fritters from the Bahamas. <laughs> <laughs> they they they're everywhere. They're they have punk and they're so wonderful. But oh, crepes from France. Oh Love yeah. Crepes. Yeah. And and then um, schnitzel from Germany. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. I love okay. it. I did love that. I'd say those are my favorites. If you could pick one marina that you've been to, to sit there okay. with a cup of coffee and just watch the, the world go by for an afternoon, where are you going to sit? A marina or Anchorage? Can we add Anchorages in there? Yeah, I'm, everyone else has done a big difference between the two. So yeah, yeah that's fine. <laughs> okay. I would probably sit at, Meeks Patch in northern Eleuthera. Uh, it, the water was completely crystal clear. You could see all the way to the bottom, the grass blades at the bottom of the of it, uh, white sandy anchorage. It was beautiful. So okay. I would That's enjoy awesome. that anchorage again. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, what about one bit of advice that you would just have all the things you've learned that you give to someone if they're looking to live on a sailboat? One. I mean, one is tough to say. Um, I would say that it's definitely not just all the highs, that there are definitely lows with it. And just go in with your eyes wide open that you are going to have challenges, but you will get through those challenges. And, and the highs, the good days are much worth the, the harder days. And if you go into it with a realistic point of view of what you're going into, I think you will do just fine and do well okay a couple more questions uh what about one thing you don't miss from okay. living on land one thing i do not miss yeah i don't miss working <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't miss working and i don't <laughs> i miss getting up early every five days a week and the, well i didn't ha i can't complain about traffic i really didn't have much traffic but i don't miss being in traffic you know on my own yeah it's the worst right yeah okay interesting okay the last question is going to be uh this is more generic so obviously you travel about quite a bit, okay. so I think it still applies. If you were to give a few reasons as to why someone should go and travel, so that could be any travel, could be different state, internationally, on a sailboat, like why should they go okay. and what words of wisdom would you pass on? I think they should go to see the world, to see what else is out there than from maybe 
the town that you grew up in, um, learn different cultures. I think learning the different cultures of uh, different nationalities of people and just different areas and how different how people live in different ways, I think it's just fascinating to me. And, and you learn a little bit more about how the world goes around. So that would be kind of why I would recommend people go out and travel. So Jill, thanks for coming to the podcast. It's been a great chat. Again, also learned some more things about sailing. So I'm building my knowledge with that sort of living and lifestyle. It's quite cool. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. I appreciate uh, your time today. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you for listening to my Winging It Travel podcast episode today. You can find me on Instagram at James Hammond Travel or Winging It Travel podcast. You can search for both. I release weekly clips of this podcast episode, as well as photos from the last eight to 10 years of my travels. You can also follow me on TikTok, Facebook and Pinterest by searching Winging It Travel podcast. I do release daily content to do with travel and the podcast throughout the week. Also check out my website, jameshammond.org. There's content about myself, my travels, and there's also a newsletter sign up as well as a contact form. Finally, please rate and review the podcast on Podchaser. This is my platform of choice. Alternatively, you can rate this on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts from. This really helps the podcast gain a bit of traction for the future in terms of guests and content. And I'm glad to see that you guys are listening out there, reviewing it and enjoying the content so far. Stay safe, stay humble, keep listening, keep traveling, and I'll catch you soon. Cheers, James.